listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. Love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out, world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody, to this week's Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We have a highlights edition of BTG for you, a best of, if you will. We'll replay a couple of previously aired segments as both Zach and myself take a bit of a break this week. Back on the August 9th broadcast, that was just prior to the Major League Baseball trade deadline, Zach and I discussed expectations. Is it fair to expect more from clubs like the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox or in other sports, the Los Angeles Lakers or Dallas Cowboys, perhaps? There seems to be a different standard for clubs like the Detroit Lions and San Diego Padres. No offense to those clubs. As a believer in Christ, I wonder if we approach each new day with great expectations of what God can and may very well do. Here's that segment we broadcast back on August 9th of this year. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram is where to find out more about us or about the program. Zach, leading up a couple weeks ago to the Major League Baseball trade deadline, I heard a couple of news outlets saying the Yankees haven't won a title in over a decade or in a decade. It Mm -hmm. was 2009, the last time they won. And I just, I found myself thinking, okay, that's great, but it's 10 years. Mm-hmm. Sure, as a Yankee fan, I want to win every year. I'm all for it. But there are franchises that haven't won, period. Yeah. Haven't won in forever. And I find myself wondering, is the expectation of clubs like the Yankees, the Dodgers, maybe now the Red Sox, even though they had gone 86 years or whatever it was without a World Series title, they've won a lot now. So maybe they're in this high expectation club. Take the Lakers, the Cowboys, um, maybe the Detroit Red Wings. There are franchises, perhaps, that we have higher expectations from than it seems others. Nobody expects anything of the San Diego Padres. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe they should, but they don't. They're happy to go to the games. They have a good time. Mm -hmm. But they don't expect the title. Sure, they'd probably like one, but they don't expect it. In in New York, all over the press, I heard it not once, not twice. It was three or four or five times that I heard reporters say, the Yankees haven't won in a decade. They need to do something. They have to win now. Have to win now. Ten years. Yeah, I want them to. Yeah. But that's a high expectation. Yeah. And I think, too, people forget that the core of this Yankees team is pretty young. Like, these guys are going to be together for a while. They're going to get there. I also think when you were listing all the teams that have the higher expectations, I noticed two commonalities, which is those are all teams who have won in the past and who spend a lot of money. And I think if you a have won before, and especially if you've won before and B you spend a lot of money, you're expected that, okay, well you should win. If you're not winning, what went wrong? Why aren't you winning? Clearly you're doing something wrong. You know, there's a lot of, there's injury luck and stuff that goes into it. But I think at the end of the day, Look at the Yankees have won a lot of World Series. The Yankees spend a lot of money. Not as much as they used to, but still a lot. So there's expectations that come with that. And I think um, fair or unfair, you see that a lot with teams that have a history of that. And certainly success breeds expectations. Mm-hmm. You do well. You, you're more expected to do it. I'm, I'm thinking of a person in my mind. And 
we've had this conversation that more is expected of them by their parents. Mm-hmm. Yet they have a sibling from which very little is expected. And, and it's clear if you see the parents interact with these two people, uh, so much is expected of one and not so much is expected of the, uh, of the other. And what I know about these two people is one is able to deliver and has delivered and has done terrific things. And the other one, I think, if he gets out of bed and brushes his teeth, they feel like that's a pretty <laughs> successful day. That's well done him. And, man, you get a sticker and, and Boy, all that. I'd love to be held to those standards. <laughs> but that's just it, isn't it? You know, if you if you succeed, if you are able to meet certain standards, then more is expected. You might find that, and many of our listeners might find that in their work, where, man, they do very well. They do their jobs well. So they're expected to do their mm-hmm. jobs. They have a coworker, perhaps, who doesn't do very well and we look at that person perhaps and say man why does he get away they don't expect anything from him yeah i don't know why they still pay him but they don't expect anything from him because he's never delivered in the past so why would he deliver now yeah he didn't accidentally set anything on fire today it was a good day (laughs) right right And, and when it comes to the yankees 10 years is not you think of the detroit lions for crying out loud here's a franchise that was a a classic NFL franchise, won titles back in the 40s and the 50s, had never been to the Super Bowl. 50-some years, they've never been. What's funny is sometimes you see teams that haven't really been all that good for a long time, but because they were good at one point, people still expect them to, like the Cowboys. I mean, how long ago were the Cowboys Super Bowls? <laughs> You know, they're about a 500 team. But that's since because then. every year you yeah. have Cowboy fans saying this is our year. Well, that's this what I'm is saying, it, man. We're going to the Super Bowl. We're the Cowboys. That's what I'm saying. You're basically a 500 team since the glory years in the 90s. But you still expect every year a Super Bowl. Who are those franchises? You know, what about the Montreal Canadiens? Here's here's a team that I believe are second behind the Yankees in titles. In, in the four major sports, I believe that's true. The Montreal Canadiens haven't won a title in forever. Yeah. Haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. But tend to expect it, though. Yeah. And, and that's still based on that history that they once had mm-hmm. of, and I don't know if it's, if it's fair. If it's fair to say you haven't been, you haven't won a title in 10 years, you better make a change. You better make a, uh, some uh, some sort of trade at the deadline yeah. and get back in and win a title because your fans expect that. And I think that sort of thinking can be the reason why teams don't sometimes, where you feel this pressure to make a move. We haven't won in 10 years. We got to do something. Our, this is We got to win now. That's where you make trades, where you overpay for somebody, where you maybe blow up a team that was on the precipice of something great. And you could set your franchise back. And as frustrated as, as I was this last trade deadline where Brian Cashman did nothing at the major league level, I do have an appreciation for the fact that he didn't gut the system. He kept the core of the team together. The guys that are MLB ready in the minors, he didn't trade away, so they're still there. I got to say that at least he didn't cave into the pressure that some teams often do. Yeah, and he's one of those guys, as you just said, didn't go out and make an unnecessary trade just to make a trade to appease a fan. Didn't feel that pressure. I wonder, on a Sunday morning at church, is your expectation higher for the preacher or the music team than it is for God? What I mean is, are you coming expecting a good show or are you coming expecting God to do a work in your life? 
The Christian life is about following Jesus as he leads us to places we never thought we'd go. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. We all have a tendency to raise our expectations when we go to an event or maybe attend a conference. After all, it's, it's why you paid and maybe even why you traveled to be able to attend. And while that's great and all, we have every reason as a Christian to have great expectations each and every day. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 and 23 says, and going back to the book of Jeremiah verse 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. How exciting each new day should be if you know Jesus as Lord. The word of God is filled with promises of great things. Every day then, we can approach life with great expectations, and we can do this because we know Christ is dwelling in our lives. He is molding us to be more like himself. The Bible says his spirit has gifted us in unique ways to do great things if only we allow ourselves to be led by him completely. Regardless of what your day may hold, you can take on the day with great expectations because we serve a great God. So be expectant, not of people, but of God. And maybe it seems unfair at times, the expectation placed on you. Maybe even the expectations people put on you because they know you're a Christian. You're not supposed to cuss or drink or smoke or go out with girls who do. Now, I know this may be a gray area for some people, but you know what I mean. We need to protect our testimonies because people are watching. Why? Because they are expecting to see a life that has changed and they want evidence. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. That's not to say a Christian never messes up. Of course we do. But when we mess up, there's conviction, there's guilt, and it brings about repentance. Sinful habits, they're no longer a lifestyle. If your life is one which points a friend to Christ and saves a soul from hell, then living up to every expectation put on you will have been worth it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. When Christ in you is your everyday reality, then every day comes with an expectation of life. Romans 8.10 says, If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Do you have Christ in you? Are you able to look forward to each day with an expectation of seeing God do great things because Christ is in you? If you've never placed your faith in Christ and asked God to forgive you, he calls to you. There's no better time than right now. Jesus Christ shed his blood and laid down his life to pay the penalty of your sins and mine. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. His death, as well as his resurrection, makes it possible for us to be forgiven of sin and go to heaven 
if we accept the free gift of salvation which he offers. The Bible promises that by confessing our sins, God will forgive us. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I hope you'd admit your sin and your guilt and tell him that you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And ask God to forgive you and ask him to help you repenting from sin. Let me leave you with Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I want to thank you for being with us. If there's anything that we can do to help you, if you have questions, feel free to reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Time now to look back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up to Thursday, October 25th. The Red Hawks recap is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan women's volleyball team fell short at home against St. Anselm College 3-1 last Saturday afternoon. Lauren Norwood led the team in kills with nine, while Rachel Holmes came up with 23 digs for the Red Hawks. In soccer, the Red Hawks women were shut out at home last Saturday by Malloy College 4-0. The men, meanwhile, rolled goals by Alex Perez-Vega and Dylan Ruiz en route to a 2-1 win over Malloy College. The win moved the Roberts Wesleyan men's soccer team into second place in the ECC standings with a 4-1 ECC record and 7-5-1 overall. In upcoming home action tomorrow, October 26th, the women's volleyball team will welcome in Malloy College for a 1 p.m. match. The men's soccer team will also be in action tomorrow, taking on Damon College. Game time is 6 p.m. The men will then be home again on Wednesday, October 30th, against Chestnut Hill College. That's also a 6 p.m. start. Go on out to the beautiful athletic facilities there at the Roberts Wesleyan College campus and support the Red Hawks. They are, after all, the only Division II college athletics program in Rochester. And you can stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. You'll find news, scores, highlights, and more. And you can always follow Roberts Wesleyan athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view.
Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. So glad you could be with us. A highlights program this week. From the September 20th show, Zach and I talked about how that despite playing with the same sets of rules, some teams are able to enjoy sustained success, while others seemingly always somehow seem to struggle. We then segue into a biblical perspective on sustaining a strong walk of faith. Here's that segment from the September 20th program. What do we know? After two weeks of the NFL? Not much. For for one, based on some social media accounts of Buffalo Bills fans, we know that the Buffalo Bills are heading to the Super Bowl. I I told you this, Zach. I love Bills fans. I love how passionately they support their team. I think the Buffalo Bills have one of, if not the most supportive, passionate fan base in the league. Oh, absolutely. But what I really love about the Bills fans is how they ride to extremes. They're sitting 2-0, and and you've got some people talking Super Bowl. They're going to lose one game and be sitting 2-1, and and they will go from talking Super Bowl to the sky is falling. Here we go again. Everything's going wrong. For Bills fans, the Bills are like your little brother, where nobody else can talk bad about my little <laughs> brother, but I can and I will. You know, like, I don't want to hear ESPN talk bad about the Bills. I don't want to hear Fox Sports talk bad about the Bills. But I personally will talk bad about them in a heartbeat if they let me down. That's how it goes. I just love the two extremes. Again, I love Bills fans. I, I think they're so passionate. But seriously, what are some of your observations that you've seen from the first two weeks of the NFL's regular season? Uh, well, as far as the Bills go, when we, when we talked about um, before the season in our preview, the Bills make the playoffs if. And what I picked was if Josh Allen levels up in his second year and becomes a better, all-around, more mature quarterback. And I think we've seen that. We've seen him be willing to throw the ball away when there's nothing there. We've seen him take the short throws and the checkdowns just to move the chains and not look for the home run on every play. So I'm cautiously optimistic about that. Um, I think we've seen some of the coaching changes and the effects that they've had. Um, I think about the Bills' next opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals, coming up. Um, we didn't see it in week two, but in week one, we saw aspects of that Sean McVay offense that Zach Taylor has brought to the Bengals. And look, the Bengals might not win a lot of games, but finally for them, it won't be because of coaching. Um, we've seen some teams like Tampa Bay. The offense has yet to get going under Bruce Arians, but the defense looks better than the Buccaneers defense has been in a long time. So one of the things I've noticed is some of the coaching changes are having effects. We know the New England Patriots are once again, very good. Mm-hmm. good. We know the Dallas Cowboys are good. Yeah, they might. D- Dak Prescott is playing great. Mm-hmm. We know uh, there's some things we learn. One of the things we know for sure is that the Miami Dolphins are in full tank mode. Oh my gosh, they are awful, and they are not simply tanking as a strategy. They're tanking in what might end up a historical level of tanking. 
they are like the champions of tanking. For once, the Dolphins are the best in the world at something, and it's losing football games. <laughs> in the first two weeks, they just didn't lose. They played the Ravens and the Patriots. They didn't just lose. They lost by a combined score of 102 to 10. Yeah. So what do they do? They go out and they trade their best player, probably. Minka Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. the last year's first-round pick, number 11 overall. I hope they lose every game this year. I really do. I hope they lose every game. I hope they run the table. And then I hope at that goofy celebration that the members who are still alive from that perfect season, they get together, they have that celebration when the last team who's still undefeated finally loses a game during the regular season, they have that celebration. I hope they have to share it with these guys. So you, you got <laughs> just taking the shine off. And now I get it. You know, losing is a strategy for some teams in professional sports, but this is pathetic. And and I think it's sad in the fact that they don't they haven't they don't let their fans know whenever a team decides to tank for the season. And when you and you're when you're this bad as the way the Dolphins appear to be, and you're still charging fans full price to watch a team that we know is intentionally trying to lose, and you're still charging them for a full price. I I got to tell you that's not right. Uh, why is it that some teams seem to have sustained success? They always seem to be successful, while other teams always seem to struggle. Same draft rules, same cap rules, completely different strategies and results. The Oakland A's in baseball never had, as far as I can remember, a a full-out tank year. They always seem to be competitive, Mm -hmm. uh, and it looks like a good chance they're going to make the playoffs again this year. It's just amazing to me how some teams have that sustained success. When you think of a team, you think of the New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. That's probably the model team. We know there's others. There's the Yankees and the Red Sox have both had relatively consistent success for years. Um, The Atlanta Braves, if you count uh, division titles as success, you might want (laughs) to throw them in. Somehow the Patriots are able to take a player off another team's junk pile and turn him into a contributing member of a championship team, and it doesn't matter who it is. They, they have that sustained success. I'm convinced it has less to do with money and more to do with intelligent leadership. Absolutely. I know everybody wants to say, oh, they bought a championship. I, you just can't throw money at a championship and think it's going to happen. And the mm-hmm. same way, you just can't stockpile first-round picks and a bunch of draft picks and think you're going to have sustained success. You might have it for a year, mm-hmm. maybe a couple, but not what the Patriots have done. Yeah. That takes leadership, both on the field and off. Yeah. And if you look at the way the Patriots have done it, it flies in the face of conventional logic because how many times can you remember during this dynasty era that the Patriots actually picked in the first round? You hear so many times you build through the draft, build through the draft. The Patriots love to trade that pick away in the first round. And uh, you'll see them draft a quarterback when they don't need a quarterback because they can trade it for assets. And it's just... They're so intelligently run, and then you look at other teams that are almost the opposite of that, the way Cleveland was for so long. And really, I'm convinced it starts at the top and works its way down in an organization. Yeah, I agree with you. Some teams succeed, some teams fail. Like I said, same cap rules, same draft rules. It's what each team does with the information they have, what they do with the draft info, whether they pick a guy or whether they pass on that guy trade into a different spot to get a completely different set of options available to them. Same thing with things like the cap space, where to allocate the funds that they spend. Uh, Some teams just seem to do it well. Like I say, you just can't throw money and think you're going to win. You got the money might put you in a position 
You mm. might be in a better spot, but sustained success, no, that takes more than that. Both coaches and athletes need to buy in, and they give their max effort for winning organizations. Man, like I said, somebody goes to the Patriots, and all of a sudden they've bought in. They're, they're, they're giving it all they got. There is a satisfaction in giving your all for an organization who has a reputation for making effort pay off. Now, let's be honest. How much satisfaction will there be for a guy like Saquon Barkley of the Giants when he has a great individual year, but it pays off in a last place finish in his division? Eventually, isn't he going to want to go somewhere where his efforts will pay off? Yeah. Of course he will. For believers in Christ, sustained success depends on God. Now, he'll, of course, take us through valleys. He'll Maybe he'll take us to mountaintops. And he does that to help us grow our faith. You probably know of people who have that same consistent, successful uh, walk of faith, no matter whether they're at a mountaintop or going through an extreme trial in their life. And what is it? It's their faith in God. Sometimes we get complacent in our Christian faith and our Christian walks, and it hinders our spiritual growth. Do you remain dependent upon God to see you through, giving him the glory, whether you're at the top or, or whether you're at the bottom? When a team has success, they trust their system. When a business has success, they trust their business model. Now, things might not always be going right, but they don't panic. They trust that system. They're faithful to their basic philosophy that has brought them success over the years. Sure, they may have to adapt at times. They may have to update things. For the believer in Christ, that model is faith in God. Regardless if it's on a mountaintop and things are going well when faith comes easy, or perhaps it's in the midst of a trial going through one of life's valleys and faith comes a little harder. But either way, we must remain close to God and dependent upon Him. It's the Bible's great chapter of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. In it, we read over and over that by faith, someone did something. It's called the Bible's Hall of Faith. It's a pattern. It's the same. The person puts their faith in God, and God does something mighty through them. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's not by coincidence. I mean, this is God's great design, his glorious design, that we get all those examples of faith in Hebrews 11. And then we get this in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, which say, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Lay aside the burden of sin by faith. Run with endurance the race which God has you on by faith. That race which for a purpose he has placed you in by faith. And do so by keeping your eyes fixed securely on, on the very author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. Well, there it is. I hope you've enjoyed it. A highlight show of previously aired segments. Zach and I will be back in the studio next week. Thanks so much for being with us. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.